with the first person, it was really great because we actually knew a lot of the same people. So it was a super simple interview. And then I met another person that day, and it was like I hit a stone wall. This is the Happen to Your Career podcast with Scott Anthony Barlow. We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and make it happen. We help you define the work that's unapologetically you, and then go get it. If you're ready to make a change, keep listening. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. Okay, so what happens if you actually had a role that you were excited about, and you've had some roles that you know, were a pretty decent fit for you, and you're used to making a really good income over six figures, and then you get laid off, and it all goes away. And then you, know, you, you give yourself a little bit of time, because a lot of times there's severance with that situation. Sometimes there's not, but let's, let's say that there is. You give yourself a little bit of time, and then you go back, and you can't find work that you're excited about, or Later on, as the months start to go by, you can't find work at all and nothing seems to be working out. And that goes on for 12 months. Well, that was the exact same situation that Robert was in. Robert was in the New York City area. Robert was in a a VP level role. He was pretty darn good at it, quite frankly. And he got laid off. And then all of that came tumbling down. And over the next about a year or so, he discovered that it was much more difficult than he thought it was going to be in order to get back to work. Okay, well, that's where I met Robert. And we ended up actually doing something quite a bit different for this episode than what we've done before. I actually did a coaching session with Robert that we are deciding to air for today. So you can actually hear what goes on as I'm coaching him through a totally different strategy and way to think about approaching the type of work that he really wants to be able to get to. Because there's lots of things that have a tendency to come up when when you're in this type of situation. You, well, I mean, after after 12 months, you, things start to impact your confidence. Um, after, after 12 months, you start to question about, hey, which part isn't working as I'm moving through this job search process. There's all kinds of things that come up at that point. And it starts to play with both your emotions, but also a little bit of reason too. So I should mention that Robert's not his real name. We're changing, changing the name to protect the, the innocent. And this is going to be particularly cool because we've not ever done this before, though, where you get to be a fly on the wall and listen to an actual coaching session that we're doing with Robert right now. You know, you sent me some of this information already, but help me understand a little bit about how many applications have really sent out because it's been about a year, right? A year since you have been working. Is that fair to say? A year since I've been working full-time. Full-time, yeah. And wanting to go to work. Before that, I was working on projects. It was an easy transition. Yeah. I left one position and I immediately had three different projects lined up. It was good. I was biding my time. So it's been about a year. I started really thinking it was time to go back to full-time gigs, probably this time, June, July of last year, and I started searching for stuff. And, you know, through the first year, 
I probably sent out three or four resumes. Total or like a week or a month or? Like total. And I mean that because I saw stuff that I liked and I thought, wow, okay, this is more in line where I want to go. And, you know, I was very intrigued by a lot of this stuff. And out of that, I got no response, nothing. Yeah. And then I, later I found out, I checked, you know, through the sites and everything. And they just never pursued any of these jobs. Like they might've contacted somebody, they didn't contact me, but the jobs are still buried in their career site, you know? Sure. And then after that, probably about six months ago, I started to see the jobs that were more similar to the jobs I've already had. And out of those, I probably sent out 10 resumes and I probably got like five or six different interviews with the five or six different companies. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that sounds pretty good, right? It certainly can be. Yeah. My experience is that on average, and I hesitate to use the word average because you know, as a fairly high income earner, you're already not necessarily average, right? But on average, people are getting about someplace between one to four ratio in terms of offers, like one offer versus every four, or as much as like one to seven. That helps you understand a little bit of range. Now, if we just look at those numbers, I would say that you're not absurdly outside of that, which... Right may or may not be helpful when you're thinking about it. But it's not the only thing, just a reference point we can use along the way. Aside from that, though, so tell me a little bit about those interviews. You know, I know you sent me a little bit of information on this, but help me understand, you know, what did those interviews feel like? Were these like, hey, I I knocked them out of the park and then left and boom, nothing happens? Or was it completely different? And it might be different for each one. Well, It was kind of different for each one. And I will say, I've been referring to myself as the king of getting one interviewer correct. Because a lot of them, usually in the past, it's always like, all right, you get screened by recruiter, HR person. Yeah. And then they set you up with a phone call of somebody you're going to meet. And then you do this thing, you talk to them, and they get comfortable with the idea. And then you go in and you meet them. And then if you like them, they always have you meet somebody else that has to kind of weigh in. That's how it's always been done before. And then all of a sudden, I got into this new kind of system where you get screened by an HR person and then, or recruiter and then given a person I'm going to meet. And then I'm actually meeting one, two, or three people in that day that two of them I didn't even know existed. Yeah. So... Like the first interview was actually pretty good. You know, I went through the whole thing when I got to the face to face with the first person, it was really great because we actually knew a lot of the same people. So it was a super simple interview. And then I met another person that day and it was like, I hit a stone wall. I was like, I tried to interview her because she was not asking any questions at all. So when you say that, let's dig into that for just a second, just so that I can understand mm-hmm. and be on the same page as you. And by the way, I'm going to keep asking you questions like this, just so that I can get a sense of where we need to hone some of our efforts, because I'd love to spend kind of the first little bit of time here digging in and understanding, and then the last little bit of time seeing if I can help you understand where to focus your efforts on. Is that fair? Okay. Okay. So with like Mr. Stonewall or whoever it was, 
What do you feel like afterwards and looking at it, looking back, what do you feel like was missing from that conversation to really have them like you? Because regardless of qualifications and everything else, there's always this overarching bias, whether or not people like you and feel like you fit. And then some of the other stuff is sometimes extra. Help yeah. me understand that. Well, that's a good that's a good point. I'll go back and I'll say that person I was supposed to meet in that was this person that was not the greatest interview. I ended up meeting the secondary person first. Okay. Because the person I was supposed to meet had to keep switching the time. Yeah. And then and then there was a lap of about forty five minutes where I was just hanging out waiting for the for the person. And they finally arrived. And they were, you know, she was very nice. She was very apologetic. And it started off really well. I mean, it was sort of like, I think she regrouped with the other person first and she started to ask some questions. And then it seemed, you know, to be perfectly honest, it seemed like she got a little distracted. And I'm not sure if that was because there was something, a fire happening that she was more concerned with or what, or if I was just losing her because... Like, I didn't think there was any relevant questions. Like, there wasn't any real questions, like, professionally, like, what do you do here? What do you do there? Or personal questions, like, what do you like? What do you don't like? So it was kind of hard to get onto a sort of, sort of a likability thing. So it was always just very pleasant, but it wasn't getting more comfortable than that. What was the conversation about? Because clearly you spent time there, and I'm guessing, I might be wrong, but I'm guessing you were just sitting there, you know, having a staring contest necessarily. Although, tell me if you were. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. <laughs> so what was the, some of the conversation about based on what you remember? And I, I'm well aware I'm asking for details for stuff that happened a while ago. Well, you know, the funny thing is I probably should have wrote a bunch of stuff down after the fact, but I didn't. So the conversation was more like, you know, this is what we plan to do. You know, this is how we started. We're just, you're the first person in the, in the process, blah, blah, blah. I hear that you come recommended by so-and-so. And that was sort of all very nice. And we talked about the acts of that. Yeah. And then it really wasn't usually at that particular moment. That's a good segue to get up and walk through a certain area and talk or whatever and show me, you know, stuff and get like sort of friendly input or whatever. And we, and we just sat in a conference room and we just talked and let me talk about like my skills or qualifications or how I'd fit in or anything. Obviously, I would probably fit in because I know second person in charge. Last I heard they liked me. So it would be not dissimilar. So I don't really know. It was kind of like a pleasantry. And after the meeting, I did, I won't say perfunctory, but I did follow up emails. And the recruiter immediately responded. Other person that I, I don't know her like personally, but I do know her via like other people. Sure. She responded. And then the person I was supposed to meet never responded. But that's not necessarily a bad thing because I've been hired at companies where they just don't have time to respond. And personally, I have, when the role is reversed, sometimes I don't have time to respond to the follow-up emails right away either. Yeah, absolutely. So that type of situation that you just described to me, did that happen other places too? Or was it just this one isolated occasion? That was an isolated occasion. Okay. So in those other six, five, six interviews that we were talking about here, huh? what do you think? Well, first of all, let's say that there were several that didn't just like didn't hire at all, right? Right. 
There is so far five or six. I gotta look at my thing. Actually, six, four just haven't done any. So they, they, two of them have taken hold down because they don't know how to internally how they want to configure things. And then two other ones have told me, and they're still open, that they are, you know, it's on the back burner right now. So they figure out internal process. Okay. Which, I mean, you've worked at, at a VP level before and assuming you've probably hired people before. And I both know that could mean that they haven't figured out their budgets. Could mean that they are having internal power struggles to try and figure out who gets what. It could mean a huge range of things. It could mean that they just haven't found the right person for the role, right? Right. And you nailed the first two immediately. I know that those are the concerns at two places. And you probably nailed with the third one. They probably figured out the right person for the role. Haven't found them. So, yes, I know it can mean a whole host of things. And I was also kind of dreading this because I in this particular location, there seems to be a real uh, emphasis on getting people in and onboarded before summer or right after. So once I got to a certain time frame, it's sort of like, all right, you know, I'm thinking nothing really concrete is going to happen until after August. Potentially. Yeah. yeah, you and I have both experienced that in not just that industry, but other different industries too. However, We've probably both seen exceptions to that as well. Yeah, if the need is great enough, they will hire. Oh yeah, <laughs> it doesn't matter what time of year it is; it will find a way, right? Yeah. Yes. So exactly. let me ask you just a couple other questions here, and we're going to kind of do a broad array at first, and then that way I can bring us back around to what's going to be most useful for you. So you went on these different interviews, mm-hmm. and did all of these different interviews come from? You know, sending off a traditional application or resume, or how did each one of these happen? We can just really quickly go through each one of the six, if need be. One interview happened through a traditional send a resume, but directly to the company. Sure. So not through a job site or whatever. I did get a phone interview from kind of a job site resume thing, and that was interesting, but it hasn't really progressed past that. The sure. other ones have been the old fashioned, I mean, I hate to say it, the old fashioned way. If you know somebody to say, hey, look at this resume, that's how I got into the inner circle. So, who are some of those people that got you in, if you will? External recruiter, two internal recruiters, personal recommendation on one. And I guess that's pretty much it. Kind of like, one, actually, I did the research and I figured out who was the person involved, like in charge of everything, and I did the LinkedIn with the person. So that was, I guess I was my own recruiter. So, but not, I haven't had much luck through the traditional job search portal, stuff like that. Okay, cool. That helps me tremendously. We'll come back and we'll talk about those pieces here in just a minute. So first of all, I love that. Love that you've been reaching out to people. Love that you have been doing some of this. As you called it the old-fashioned way, I think it truly is the old-fashioned way, but it also has become the, in some ways, non-traditional way because everybody else is submitting stuff through job portals and clicking the button on LinkedIn or whatever else, right? Yeah. And to be fair, I have my own biased on sort of these things because I have hired a lot of people. Yeah. Tell me about that. And I've used services 
And the services are meant to screen top candidates. So they give you a percentage of how much these people meet your criteria. And shockingly, or not shockingly, most of the people that this computer program were matching to my job, like 82, 85% perfect match. Yeah. Once I looked at the resume, I would go, this is an intern. This is a person who, you know, hasn't clearly done any of this. Or they work for fictitious companies. Yeah. There's a lot of people who work for X, Y, and Z company that doesn't really exist. So it was like in that particular role, I was having to physically search all of the resumes and that's time consuming. So I understand why a lot of companies use these programs, Uh but I also understand in the particular case that I was in using these programs, I think we use two different ones over the course of five years. Sure. It actually wasn't giving me the good candidates. It was giving me people who were good at writing resumes or good at understanding filters. Yeah. So they were getting to the top. Which I think (laughs) you've clearly articulated, I think, the frustration on both sides of that. (laughs) I think we could probably spend a good seven hours just talking about that one thing, but I will spare you a solid rant on that because I've got some strong opinions on that piece of it. But I think some of the same biases, so we're on the same page. Okay. Along that lines, though, help me understand a little bit about what you feel like you do best. Like I want to ask this from two different lenses here and just spend just a couple of minutes mm-hmm. on it from a sort of quote unquote job search type perspective or career change type perspective. What are some of the areas of that you perceive that you do pretty well at, you know, whether it be like, I don't know, relating with people in the interview or whatever it happens to be for you. But then the other area I want to ask you about is just in general, what do you feel like some of your strengths and the things that you gravitate towards and just do very well either from nature or nurture or help me understand both sides of that. Okay. So what I think I do well in the job search, that's a loaded question because obviously I don't have like a lot of offers. So if I got an offer, I can tell you exactly what I did well in that particular case. That's okay. We're going to break it down into pieces. So just your opinion, there's no pressure to even be right here necessarily. I just want to get your opinion on what you feel like you're doing really well or what you have done well in the past. Well, in the past, it's like I kind of know the cycles of these things. It's funny, you know, one particular job that I still haven't gotten, they've called me three different times over the last three years. Yeah. Each candidate only lasts a year. And I keep trying to tell them you're hiring the wrong candidate, but they don't want to know. So they just hired another candidate three months ago, four months ago. So they'll be back on the cycle for next year. But maybe that's a place that's not ready for you yet. Like you, maybe you don't want to work there right now until they've changed some of their philosophies on those types of things. Cause it- that's one way of looking at it. And then the other way in my head is like, you know, once you get the right candidate, everything's easy. Oh yeah. It's not a difficult job, but there's a lot of wanting and, you know, sort of like with the job, like job postings, everybody else, they have these 10 or so qualifications. And honestly, there's three maybe four that really correspond to the job. And the other is just wishful thinking. And even if they got the person that had all of them, they might not ever use those those other skills. So it seems to me that they get too far into it and they're not able to look at what the role is really supposed to 
achieve. So that goes to my strengths, I think. I can look at different job postings, and I think I'm actually seeing the meat and potatoes of the job. So then I will seek out that job, per se, if, if it's in line with my core skill set or my core abilities. You know, learning proprietary one management system versus proprietary two management system is, is just learning the program. It's not like re-educating yourself on technology as a whole. Yeah. So I see a lot of companies like, oh, you need to know Slack or Basecamp or whatever and workhorse or, and it's sort of like, you know, that's not really a requirement. <laughs> like we can teach you Slack in 10 minutes with a video. Like it'll be yeah. okay. And nine of them you can sleep through. <laughs> so it's kind of like they get into this, the weeds and they're actually missing the essence of the job. So for me, it's like I look at things and I see like really the essence and some of the jobs I've, in particular, I don't think I'm ever going to get called for, but it was interesting and I don't want to go too much into it, but it was for journalism and certain type of editing for this journalism. And I totally see the correlation from my career to that career because about five years ago, a journalist who was in that realm was trying to make the leap into the realm that I'm in. And they're sympathetic. They're just dealing with different people, places, and things. But all the other ingredients, it's kind of like Italian cooking versus French cooking. Yeah. You're still cooking. You're just using different ingredients that you'll learn once you get into it. So that's why I think I'm doing well. I think my shortcoming is I may be relying too heavily on my previous experience and not seeking out that enthusiasm. You know, I was asked a question, like, why do I want to work for this company in this one interview? And it was kind of weird because immediately I thought in my head, wow, didn't you guys just three, four months ago lay off like over 2,000 people? Yeah. So in my mind, I was like, well, do I really want to work for this company? So I think my shortcoming right now is not being able to, like a salesperson, complete the sale. I think that I'm leaving too much ambiguity in the bit. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to ask, may I give you a little bit of feedback on that? That might be helpful. Sure. So I know you're going to listen to this afterwards, but one of the things I want you to listen for is listen for the sound of your tone of voice and listen Mm -hmm. for even the expressions that were probably in a very minute way, either on your face or on your body or other things along those lines and listen to the front side of this conversation where you and I had talked via email a little bit and you had some expectations coming into this. And then Mm -hmm. I had some other different expectations and it sounded visibly like you're put off by that in one way or another versus as we started talking about some of these things that you feel very strongly about in one way or another, it sounds like a completely different person. And I've got to imagine that the experience for somebody who's interacting with you feels completely different too, especially if it's in person. But even if it's over the phone, then they don't have anything else to judge on other than the tone of voice and their perceptions are, right? So I think to give you a little bit of validation on what you were saying earlier, I do believe that that is probably going to be important for you that as you go into this, as you continue to talk to and interact with people that you are doing things that you feel really good about, or you are interacting with companies or organizations or people that you feel really good about. Because one of the things that 
and you can tell me if this is accurate or not, but one of the things I perceive from interacting with you is that you're not like somebody who's real good at like faking it, if you will. Some people are great at that. I'm not one of them necessarily, but it seems like you are also not in that category. Is that fair? Am I getting that right at all? I think that's pretty fair assessment. Yeah. So if we know that about you, then that's actually great because here's what I also have picked up just from interacting with you a little bit. When you do feel strongly about one thing or another, like it is, you're really easy to gravitate towards. Like you are very, very, I would be willing to bet that like people want to continue to ask you questions or want to continue to interact with you. So it may have even been, and I don't know that this was the case at all. I wasn't there, but you can kind of judge and just throwing out a scenario. Like for that one interview that you described to me that they, like it was not going as well as you'd hoped. It's like, what is going on here? It may have been that it went completely differently than what you thought it was supposed to. So you were sort of put off by that and that changed the, I'm going to say quality of the interaction in some ways too. And I don't know that, but I want you to be able to start watching for that. Yeah, I have like replayed it in my head with different filters on it. Yeah. And that's pretty fair assessment too, because I was expecting a continuation of the other interview I had and I got a different one and it was awkward. And then, like I said, I thought I was trying to regroup and it turned into more of me asking questions. Yeah. So I started interviewing this other person. So yeah, it became weird. (laughs) It became weird. That's probably the best way to put it. But psychologically, it wasn't great. Yeah. So that is awesome because now with these couple of pieces of information and even thinking about it through that new lens, I think that there's a lot of different things that we can tweak very slightly that will have different impacts in getting you results. So do you mind if I give you a couple examples of that? Please do. Okay. So... Here's one thing that jumps into my mind in terms of, you know, if this were a game of chess, how do we set up the chess pieces so that we've got the end result that we're only so many moves away from checkmate? And maybe checkmate's a bad example or bad analogy here, but go with it for just a second. We want to set up strategically the pieces on the board so that we've got the end result of getting where you want to go, right? So One thing we just established is that if you're walking into organizations where you only kind of halfway believe that it's a good deal for you, then they're probably a lot less likely to hire you anyways, even if they already, I don't know, know you or know of you or anything else along those lines, because it's just not going to be as great of an interaction as if you walk in there and you're like, holy crap, this would be awesome. I could totally help these people with these type of challenges and that would be super exciting. It's going to be a totally different experience for not just you, but they're going to feed off that energy for lack of a better phrase. So not to get too woo-woo on you here, but I think that that's important because it creates a completely different experience. And then subconsciously, they like you for completely different reasons than they may even understand necessarily. And that causes them to influence their decisions that happen from there too. So. By no means the only thing we should consider here, but I think it's an important one because we just established that you're not going to be the type of person who's going to just like walk into any company whatsoever and be like, this is great and I can totally hide it or whatever. I don't think that's a good situation for you, right? Yeah. Okay. So if we know that, I think that there's a couple other things that we can do here. One of them, what's clear to me after talking through this a bit here is there are probably 
some organizations out there that you've already been eyeballing that don't necessarily have publicized open jobs? Is that fair to say? Are there, do you have any companies in mind? We don't even have to talk about them necessarily right, right here, but do you have any companies in mind that you're like, yeah, I think it'd be cool to work there. Yeah, I do actually. I've been thinking about that a lot and sometimes you have to create the position in a weird way because they don't even know that they need it yet. And two of my positions in the past were completely like made, actually three, I think about Say that again, they were what? Made they were made for me. Like Perfect. they crafted it for me after interaction. But yeah, there are a couple of them that I would like potentially work for that they, I see the need. I don't see the organizational structure, so I don't know if there is a fit. But yeah, to answer your question. Okay. So let me reframe this just a little bit and sort of repeat back to you what I think I just heard. So it sounds like if we look at where you've had a ton of success in the past, that one of those big areas of success would be being able to identify a need, which I think is that's consistent too. Like one of the things that you said earlier to me is, hey, when I look at different job postings, I'm really able to get to sort of the essence of the job, or you have this intuitive ability to understand what the real needs are versus all this other crap, right? And it seems that flows through other areas of your life as well. And even to your ability to be able to recognize a need within an organization And it sounds like two or three times, that is literally how you've gotten opportunities, which I always believe, not in every case, but almost every case, that a great way to go is double down on what has worked incredibly well for you in the past. And I think that in this particular case is playing incredibly well to your strengths. Okay. (laughs) Well, let me pause for a second and you just tell me your reactions to that or what thoughts, hesitancies, et cetera. No, I think it's great, and I have no problem with it. I mean, that's sort of, you know, one role that was a posted role during that I got. And, yeah. You know, I spent almost five years at. During the interview process, we actually built it out to be more robust, so I actually took on more responsibility. Sure. They were very happy because they didn't have to pay for two people. I bet. <laughs> Another one that is still in limbo, they've thought has been to do the similar thing, to expand it. So, yeah, I mean, I kind of like that. It's just somewhat time, not time consuming to do it, but there is big lag time in talking to a company or talking to people, trying to really flush out something that might be of true benefit for them. So, and I need a starting point too. So that's always a bit of a problem, so... Yes. Okay. So two things that I just heard. One, you've got this concern about the lag time and ultimately the, I'm just going to call it like total time spent a little bit. Right. And then the second piece is like, where do you start if we're going down that direction? Right. Right. Okay, cool. So let's try and handle those one at a time here really quick. Let me try and get you some really one, a couple of different ways to be able to think about this in order to make it easier. But then two, Let's try and get you some really good next action steps that you can begin using like tomorrow and the next day and and that are going to set you up for the results that you're actually looking for here. How's that sound? Okay. Sounds good. Cool. So by the way, I'm hearing the like real version of you coming through more and more. And the more that we can keep that version of you, the one that like people are super excited and gravitate towards present 
and set up those environments, if you will, to where you sort of naturally come out in, in that way, then the better off that it's good, the more the deck's going to be stacked in your favor. So. All right. Sounds good. Okay. So I think one thing that's worthwhile to point out here at first is that mm-hmm. currently the approaches you've taken haven't bore fruit, right? So there's been a fair amount of work or effort or other things like that, and we still haven't gotten to the result that you're looking for. So I totally agree with you. I think you've diagnosed it rightly. Like It takes more time. It absolutely, definitely takes more time compared to like clicking the button on an application or doing an easy, like I've got this friend over here, but I'm not really that excited about the company and I can get an interview, I guess. So I'll go. Like right. it is going to take more time and effort than those types of routes for sure. However, if your yeah. end goal is walking into a job that pays you what you want and is also something where you don't hate yourself at the end of the day and you feel good about it and you can continue having those great interactions with the people you work with and what you're working on, then I think that if we look at it from an effectiveness standpoint, then this type of approach is going to be more effective for you. So. Yeah. Does that make sense even? Yeah, actually, it does. I mean, you're articulating what I think in my brain already. So I think it's more rewarding and for sure. Well, I have the sense that you have good senses and I might be wrong, but I think you definitely need to trust that sense and what's already going on in your brain. And okay, okay, so the other thing that I, (laughs) I'm not totally sure what I did there necessarily, but the other thing I think that's worth talking about in terms of those the time frame around it, I always think about what is the situation I want to get myself into. And if we're talking about essentially having a role created for you, then that means that we need to get you into the right time and right place where they need you essentially in one fashion or another. And they're at the point where they are wanting to take action on that sort of need. Mm-hmm. So that means that we have to uh, sort of align the right people, right place, and right time, right? When I think about how, right. do we, how do we create a result, we need to align the right people, right place, and right time. So we'll come back to that. We'll talk about that here in just a second. But I think okay. that is our goal if we're sort of manufacturing the right situation to engineer you a role or put you in those right, uh, right place, right time, right people. So right. steps going forward. I think your first and number one set of steps has to be what organizations are around that I really legitimately interested in being a part of, or as a caveat to that, I suspect that I'm really interested in being a part of, and I want to further explore because you might be wrong. Like you said, I can't remember what you said earlier, but something that led me to believe that there's some of them where you're like, ah, I think I would like to be a part of that, but you don't necessarily know for sure. So at a minimum, these have to be organizations that you have enough belief for one reason or another, either research or talking to people that have worked there or whatever reason you believe that it could be a good fit. You won't know until we take some other different actions, right? Yeah. I mean, there are definitely places. There are two things. And I'll try to pick at each one. There are jobs or roles that come up that are like, yes, those are great. I love it. They're sometimes attached to companies where I, I may know too much about them where I'm like kind of questioning why I would want to do that. And then there are other companies that I have 
nothing but good vibes for. I know the people who work there. I know the company. I would be delighted to work there. And I never see the role. So it's kind of this mixture. There are definite companies here in this area and even on, you know, in your area, there's some nice companies, but the stars just haven't aligned to be the right place at the right time with the right person. Okay, cool. So one, I think, important component for that to help you understand where we're going to end up going here is I do not want you waiting for the right role to be posted, especially at the level you're at. And for the amount of pay that I know that you want, we just simply can't wait for a role to be posted. Like you and I both know that most of these organizations are going to be incredibly busy in one way or another. And if the right person at the right time rolls across your desk or you get to interact with that person, then I'm more excited to be able to pursue that rather than dig through the stack of resumes on the digital stuff that really is giving me crap anyways, right? Right. From yeah. what I heard you say earlier, and I feel very much yeah. the, the same way. So in some ways, right. our goal here is to not wait for anything to be posted, but essentially get ahead of that curve and also mm-hmm. at the same time, be helpful by making it easier to make sure that they know that you are out there and have already built a relationship with them so that they can just grab you off the market for all intents and purposes. Does that make sense? It's quite a bit backwards approach. No, no. You're preaching to the choir. I kind of believe that myself. Um, Getting three minutes in front of the right person, then everything is easy after that. So Yeah. yeah, getting my resume or getting my LinkedIn profile or getting it to the right person when they're sitting there and they have a need or they're thinking that there might be a need coming up or they're having a problem or they, all those things where they're like, I wish I had somebody or something to help me out on. That's the golden moment because then it becomes their idea and it's a lot easier to get swept into the whole situation. So yeah, I agree. I mean, so the trick is getting it in front of the right person. Cool. Let's talk about that. How do you go about doing it? You know. Okay. So step one, here's what I want you doing. I want you sitting down and coming up with a minimum of 10 companies that you are legitimately interested in to where when you walk in there, you don't have to like, I don't know, try and act different than what you believe it to be. You may not know for sure that it's a really amazing situation, but you want to at least know more. So we want to create... Mm -hmm. 10 companies that are on that list. That's where we're going to start, right? Okay. So that's your step one. Pretty easy step. Like you'll rock that step. So after we have those 10 companies on the list, what I want you to go through and do is we want to figure out what is the potential connection or angle or other place that's right for contacting the right person at each organization. So in some cases, that might be like the operations VP, or that might be the CEO. In other cases, it might be a completely different person that you ultimately want to talk to or be able to get to know, or even Mm -hmm. a set of people that you've identified. Okay. So we're not going to necessarily have time to cover every single potential way to do that right here and now, but I'll give you, and I'll actually send you two resources after that, or after this. One is actually, there's two different podcasts that we have on how to contact people or how to reach people that are difficult to get a hold of or how to build relationships in creative ways. Because our goal is not going to be walking in there and asking for a job. Our goal is going to be completely opposite of that. 
what we want to do is be able to get time with these people to learn more about the organization and find out if this is even a fit or if there's other ways that you can add value to them in the first place. Okay, okay. so let me give you just a couple examples of ways that you can do that. And we'll just we'll just go through a few different examples that may not apply to every organization, but at least we'll get you started. Is that cool? Okay. That's cool. Okay. So way number one, we'll call this the low-hanging fruit type way, right? This is you find one of those organizations and you're like, I don't know, you're researching on LinkedIn and you realize, oh crap, this person used to work with this other person I know really well. I didn't know that. Okay, fantastic. So then at that point, I want you reaching out to that other person that already had a relationship with them and find out if they're willing to make an introduction for you. And this, I suspect you've done plenty of introductions in the past, but just really quick couple ways to even make it easier and more effective overall. Way number one would be find out if they're willing to make an introduction in the first, give them some of the context. In this case, don't tell them, hey, I'm looking to get a job there or anything like that. You don't even know if you're looking to get a job there yet. You don't even know if you like the company yet, but be able to share with them that, hey, I'm really interested in this organization and trying to figure out if it's a fit or a place that I want to be or anything else. And I'm really interested in what this person is doing over there and some of the projects or whatever else it is that you are legitimately interested in uh, going on. So provide that person that context that would be introducing you and then saying, hey, if you would be willing to make an introduction, I would all send you actually a quick example email. That way you can copy and paste or make some changes and just make it easier on you. And even if they say, don't send the email or whatever, do it anyways, like write it for you because two reasons. One, that helps you control some of the positioning a little bit, but two, they might be 100% good intention. And I bet you've experienced this as as a VP, like you want to help somebody, but then a whole bunch of things hit your desk and you're like, oh crap, I still got to send that email for them. And then like two weeks later, it still hasn't been sent. Right. So sending it anyways, just makes it easier because then like, oh, to grab the copy and paste version. Okay. It's gone. Done off my list. Awesome. So those are just a couple of things that'll make it easier and make it much more effective into getting that introduction. Okay. So that's one way. Cause then you can, you know, have the conversation via email, schedule something out or buy them coffee or any other thing, depending on what's appropriate. So Another way, let's say that you don't have an easy in or easy introduction or whatever, you okay. can do a little bit of CSI work and then either contact them by phone or by email or by LinkedIn. And I would try to go for, if you can, phone in a lot of cases is usually the best way, unless of course they have something screening their calls because it's more difficult to say no to somebody by phone once you pick up versus like, yeah. Email or something. That may not work. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. It's a great approach because it's kind of like taking the bull by the horn sort yeah. of thing. My personalities, I tend to go with email first or something. And, you know, because... Email's easier, know. quite frankly. You and everybody else tend to go with the email first, so... Yeah, because I don't know if I was equate the phone with direct sales and having like an elevator pitch ready... And, you know, powering through the time when they say no, 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 them to relax enough to listen. Yeah, don't use that type of approach at all. <laughs> That's going to get you nowhere. Yeah. Can I give you something different on that? Sure. So that conversation could be very, very open and honest, quite frankly, because when they pick up their phone, they're anticipating that somebody either needs something from them or it's going to be direct sales or it's going to be something else. Essentially, it's going right. to be a nuisance. So you have to evade that part rather quickly. And that can be as simple as saying, hey, 
My name's Scott, and I got I have kind of a weird question for you. I am really interested in what you do at your organization, and I've just been trying to learn a lot more about what it is that you do there and how you work with with people over there. Is that something that that I could ask you a little bit of, about, or is that something that you'd be willing to spend a few minutes with me? And could I ask you a few questions about what you do? The reason I'm asking is because at some point in the future, I'm, I'm going to make a job transition and I don't know necessarily where or how or anything, but your company is one that I've been really exploring. Would you be willing to share a little bit more about that with me? That could feel a little bit uncomfortable for you the first time around and you've got to adjust it to your own words and the way that you actually talk versus the way that Scott talked. Right. But that type of conversation, just being able to share blatantly what it is that you're after. You're not after a job at that point. You don't even know if you want to work there. But being after just getting a little bit of their time, and it can be as simple as asking for 15 minutes or 10 minutes. And even if they don't have time right away, being able to say, I'm more than happy to, even if it's way in the future, I'm more than happy to, you know, schedule something around your schedule, more than more than happy to do that. And that is one going to help you learn more and figure out, is this someplace I actually want to work? And then two, it's going to get you like that three minutes that you're talking about. And yes, some people are probably going to say, you know what? I just don't have the time. I appreciate you calling, but I just don't have the time. Or how did you get this number? Or like, but what we find is that in this case where we're using this type of approach to just be able to learn more and begin building a relationship and begin determining how you can offer value to an organization, then usually we see that over half people actually say yes, and they're more than willing to, and they're thrilled to pieces too, and they're honored that you would call them. Yeah. No, I mean, when we were talking about this, I was playing scenarios through my head that yeah. was kind of similar. I wasn't looking for a job, but I was looking for insight from a bigger company and how they dealt with similar thing that I was dealing with. And I did reach out to the person in charge and he was very gracious and we had a very long conversation about it. So... Yeah, I mean, put in those terms, I would see why most people would be very gracious to to extend the time and, and give people information. So it is not a hard sales call. So Yeah, and I, like you, intensely dislike receiving or making those hard sales calls because I just, I hate doing business of any kind or non-business of any kind that way. It just doesn't feel good. It feels mm-hmm. icky and I wouldn't want that in return. So do you feel like you could do these couple of things? Certainly there's much, much more that we could do, but just to get you started here on a completely different track that aligns much better with the end result that I know that you want, could you Mm -hmm. make this list? And then could you, after you identify some of the ways in on this list, be able to begin initiating those contacts and building these relationships through one of those couple of methods? Yeah, absolutely. It makes perfect sense. And by sheer happenstance, I kind of started a couple of months ago, that approach. Awesome. So that's more directly to something I knew that was posted or was going to be posted. So sure. this is more of the, this is the precursor, jumping further upstream or whatever to actually talk to the people. And it does make sense um, because the more I think about it in that, in those terms, I do know of companies that are transitioning their staff is transitioning and their needs are transitioning and they may or may not be very good candidates, but at least they're, when there's trend, like there's change, there is an element of possibility. So that's a good thing. 
So yeah, in my head, I've already identified a couple of companies that I think would be very good candidates. Very cool. Good for you. Is this helping? <laughs> Are we getting further from, or is this like helping in any way? No, you're helping a lot. I mean, and the very strange thing is you're actually sounding, like you're articulating, you're verbalizing what I believe in my head to begin with. Because there are cookie cutter roles. Yeah. And that's why people have cookie cutter resumes. And even this one person who called me up, uh, you know, was saying that my resume was atypical. And they get like slew of resumes. And it's like, I did 30% over this. And I changed the budget by X millions. And everybody's doing the same resume. So this whole like cookie cutter thing going on and people, the companies themselves and people are not looking at what would be a good fit for the team. Yes. Yes. Agreed. Because sometimes it's like, you know, getting a dog that's not a pure breed, it's a better fit for the family or whatever, you know, choose your analogy here. I totally understand what you're saying. Yeah. So that approach does make a lot more sense to me. Because I look at, you know, uh, I look at the job postings and I'm, it's kind of like job posting overload because they're the same, there's these lower level jobs that are all the same for some reason. Yeah. And then there's these, these VP positions that are super generic. But I think targeting where I see that I would make a difference or fit in, it's probably the first part of the equation as opposed to seeing what other people are saying that fit in through the job posting. Yeah, totally agreed. And if you think about it, then if you're targeting those areas that are a better fit anyways, then you're more likely to end up with something that is a better fit versus focusing on essentially like more things and having to filter out or go to a whole bunch of interviews that are a lot less likely to hire you anyways. Yeah, I agree. Cool. Hey, well, I'm so glad this was helpful for you. (laughs) Yeah. You know, now I have to put it into practical means. Yes. And do it. Very cool. So here's what I'm going to do to help you out with that. I'm going to send you those couple of links. They won't be magic bullets necessarily, but they'll help give you a few other ideas and things that you could actually do and ways that you can actually do some of these things and begin reaching out to some of these folks too, to get ahead of the curve rather than behind the curve. And then please keep me posted. And then also, if you need any other type of help or anything, by all means, let us know. And we're more than happy. That's what we do. It's what we love to do. So be thrilled to pieces to help any other way that we can too. Okay. Sounds good. Hey, and I will send you this audio as well so that you have it both for, well, for multiple purposes, essentially. One, I definitely want you to go back and listen to yourself. I think that in itself I don't know if you've ever like watched yourself on video or listened to yourself on audio or anything like that, but it's always both painful and really revealing and really helpful in the long term at the same time. Yes. I, the, the painful part, I definitely can agree with. <laughs> <laughs> pay attention. Don't just pay attention to the painful parts. Also listen for the parts where you just light up. Like It feels like if you listen to one section and another section, it's like talking to a completely different person. Yeah. When I'm excited about something, you know. I'm comfortable sharing it, no problems. But if I'm, you know, not exactly like yeah. comfortable with saying it's just it's a little it's a little challenging. Yeah, totally agreed. So that's totally okay. Let's get you someplace you're excited about. Okay. Sounds good.
Hey, I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, a couple of things that I would be an irresponsible coach if I didn't say at the end of this. One of those is that not everything that I mentioned in this particular session is going to be an effective strategy for your situation. It is for Robert, absolutely, but he's also got a, a ton of things that are built into his situation that made it so. And going into it, I already knew quite a few different things that uh, that made a difference for his world and already had a bunch of that backstory going into this conversation. So uh, here's what I would look for you to think out. First of all, feel free to pick out the pieces that, that might apply to your situation. But more so than anything, I hope that this made you think differently about your current situation and what you want and how you want to get it and potentially even staying in situations or putting yourself in situations that really aren't desirable for you. If you're in a job that's meh, then I don't think that you know many people want to live that way for extended periods of time. But as you're making a change, you have the ability to control a whole bunch of that. And a lot of people don't think about that part. But I know that if you're listening to this podcast, you're interested in, in doing that. So not everything that you heard here will necessarily apply to your situation, and that's totally okay. But I hope that this helped influence you to look at your situation in a completely different way. Oh, by the way, you probably want to know what actually happened after all of this with Robert. Well, his partner actually emailed me too because she's a listener of the podcast. And uh, here's here's what she said. She said, hey, I'm listening to your new podcast and I realized I should give you an update. Robert got a job. It's been about a month now, and it seems to be a good fit. I know he wouldn't want to jinx it by telling you, but I thought you should know since you were so generous with your time. I really thought after talking to you that his strategy perhaps changed, or maybe he was approaching the search with a bit more confidence. And she goes on to say, I also got a great new job as well. And I think I owe it in part to your podcast and how it armed me with some information as I job searched. On my way to interviews, I always re-listen to the How to Be Yourself During an Interview podcast. Anyway, just wanted to say thank you and remind you of the impact of your work. I hope you benefited tremendously from seeing what an actual coaching session is like. And if, if you weren't totally aware, some of the things that you may or may not have caught within that session is there was a lot going on underneath the surface. I, what I find from coaching for myself when I <laughs> when I'm working with a coach or when we see you know thousands of people that we've helped work with our coaches, then often it's it's easy to see on the surface. It's easy to see the blind spots when you have an outside perspective. It's not always easy and sometimes nearly impossible to see those same things when you're the one in the driver's seat, just like Robert was. And that is, <laughs> that's one of the reasons why so many of us don't move forward in what we want and what's important to us in our lives, in our careers. And if you're looking for that type of help to be able to move past yourself as a restriction in many different ways, then we'd love to support that in any way that we possibly can. And if you listen to the last episode, you know that our signature coaching program is open right now for application. It's a 
high-end custom coaching program that's specifically targeted towards high performers and, and high achievers and those that want to be. And you can get personalized help just like Robert did as we help you create the pathway for your career and your life and what's most important to you. And if that's something you want to find out, if it is right for you, just send me an email, Scott, it happened to your career and put signature coaching in the subject line. I'll connect you with our team and we'll schedule a conversation here to figure out the very best way that we can help you. But if that's something you're interested in, you need to do it quickly because this Friday is actually the last day to apply, which means you need to act quickly. And if you're listening to this in the future, we'd still love to help you. You can still send an email, even if that program isn't open right now, we'll figure out the very best way that we can support you. Hey, on Thursday, I'll be sharing a bit of a blast from our past. In a 2010 just everything changed. I actually just published a blog post about, you know, how changing my beliefs in what's possible changed the direction of my life and my career. And so it was a big transformation. That's Farnoosh Brock. And she was actually on the third episode of this podcast almost seven years ago, which sounds crazy to me. I had a conversation with her about pursuing your dreams and creative genius. Make sure that you're subscribed. So that you don't miss any episode coming to you on any day, which now we are publishing episodes, sending them your way on Mondays and Thursdays every single week. All right. Until then, I am out. Adios.